This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Through our dialogue on this platform, we aim to draw relevancy from the biblical text while bringing clarity to our own religious experience. For a topic today, I have chosen religious practice and the pursuit of social justice. Is there a connection? Well, a direct answer to that question for me is yes, with it emphatically yes. So I, I facilitated a, a Sunday school class this morning that was around the idea of the Christian believer being obligated to spend themselves or to put effort towards ending oppression in this world, in our community. And the, the lesson started out with, with questions, the curriculum that was provided started out with questions like, why do you think there's so much oppression in the world? Well, personally, I think that greed and power, the quest for greed, or driven by greed, the quest for power and wealth, will, will do anything to the point of killing, to secure wealth and power for a particular group of people at the dreadful expense of those who are exploited. Oppression is the absence of justice and fairness. Another question the curriculum brought forward was, why does social injustice grieve our Lord Jesus and, and provide examples from the gospel accounts? Well, I thought of two examples scriptural examples. One that came from Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 18 and 19, which reads in this way, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. and He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Jesus quoting from the prophetic book, declares the anointing is upon him to set the oppressed free. So that's one scriptural example that, that articulates how Jesus, what the position of Jesus was with regard to um, oppression. And it's important for us not to sanitize the language of the text. And when I say that, I mean by by simply saying that this only means it only has spiritual implications. In other words, um, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And then to say that the word poor means poor in spirit and not poverty. Okay, so I don't want to sanitize the, the scripture in a way that um, neglects the lived experience of the people of that day. All right, so the second scripture that I thought that came to my mind from, um, from this question of, of providing examples from the, from the Gospels was that the one in Luke 19, 45 and 46, where Jesus shows his contempt for the money changers. 
in, in, the, in the temple. The scripture says when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So what type of robbery was going on inside the temple courts? Well, there was exploitation. There was unfairness. There was overcharging for animals that needed to be brought for a sacrifice. Let's say, now I'm going to just make up these numbers, but let's say you had to bring a, um, a goat to be sacrificed so that you can receive atonement for your sin, right? That was the system in place. How the people would be taken advantage of was this, oh, a goat normally costs $5, but you can't use that kind of goat. You've got to get a goat from my brother, and his goats are specially, you know, used in this process. They cost $400. You don't have the money. You don't have $400. It's cost too much. Don't worry. We can simply take one of your children and sell them into slavery to meet the cost. So this is the type, one of the types of exploitation that was occurring in the temple courts. And this is the people of God. Um acting against the people of God. Mm -hmm. Another question was that came up in this Sunday school lesson was, why does our servanthood to Christ include ending the oppression we see in our society? And the, the focus of the lesson was God's love demands that we spend ourselves ending oppression. So that's a question that you have to ask yourself. Do you agree with that? Do you believe that your religious practice requires you working towards dismantling oppression in our world? Or is it all about you just getting into heaven and avoiding hell? Well, I think that in answer to that question, why does our servanthood to Christ include ending the oppression we see in our society, I say that In order for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we need to take part. We need to be the body of Christ um, and work towards uh, bringing God's love, mercy, and justice in this world. Social injustice is injustice, is the opposite of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So now when it comes to this heaven-minded religion, in other words, your sole goal is to get into heaven and avoid hell, Dr. King said this, and we're fresh out of the gate from celebrating Martin Luther King Day. So I think it's a good time to remind us of some of the things we may have heard. Dr. King said this in his book, Strength to Love. He said, any religion that professes to be concerned with the souls of men and yet is not concerned with the economic and social conditions that strangle them and the social conditions that cripple them. This religion is the kind of religion that is described as being an opiate of the people. So, again, my topic today was religious practice and the pursuit of social justice. Is there 
a connection. Well, the, the, the curriculum that was provided pointed out two scriptures. And the goal of the scriptures was to point out the people's religious practice, their public displays of piety, um, to the neglect of the well-being of the, those in their community, and, and not only the neglect of their well-being, but the actual working against um, their well-being. Um, so in order to, to, to place the scripture in its context, I had to back up a little bit. The scripture came from uh, Isaiah, the 58th chapter, starting with verse uh, 6. Let me see. Starting with verse 6. I'm sorry, 58 from 8 to 10. Isaiah 58, 8 to 10. But before you get there, it's a good idea to see how the context, what, how, why this was written, and what's the context, what's, what's going on here. So first of all, this prophetic message was delivered to God's chosen people. It's not being delivered to the unbeliever. So it's it's God speaking through the prophet to the God's uh, to God's chosen people, who were demonstrating that there was a gap between their theory and their actual practice. All right. So the prophet, God through the prophet, is pointing out the inadequacies of their spiritual practices, and he says in Isaiah 58 verses one to five. I'm going to read it. It says, shout it aloud. He's telling the prophet, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? And then the Lord answers that question and says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. The Lord through the prophet says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Okay, so in this reading, we see that God is unpleased with the, their inconsistency, with their going through religious motions and being insincere in their hearts. He accused them of exploiting their workers even as they fast, and that their fasting ends with fighting and quarreling and the lack of unity. Then we get to this scripture, Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. 
And the Lord says through the prophet, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Now he's going to describe what he prefers as over these public displays of piety. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? So here, God is telling them what he would rather see rather than just coming forward with, um, you know, religious acts of actually treating other people as though they were the sacred humanity that God called them to be. You know, if we look at the, um, if we look at the Scripture. If we ask ourselves the question, well, wait a minute now, you're making some huge jumps here. What, what does the Bible tell us about, you know, social justice? Your topic is religious practice and the pursuit of social justice. And is there a connection? Should we be, um, should we be actively engaged in fighting against social injustice, any type of injustice? And what are you basing this attitude on? Why, why, are you, why are you saying this? Well, the Bible is clear when it expresses God's thoughts, his word on, on people being exploited. For instance, if we look at the, um, if the question comes up, well, what does the Bible teach you about this social injustice? Listen to this. The book of Amos, the fifth chapter. He says, hear this word, Israel, the people of God, this lament I take up concerning you. Now, he's not talking about the unbelievers. He's talking about the chosen people of God. There are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. And though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Jumping down to verse 23, he says, Away with the noise of your songs, and I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. 
This is the word of the Lord. Amos was certainly one who spoke against injustice. So if there's any question in your mind as to whether or not our religious practice should include the pursuit of justice in this life, hear this one from Amos, the eighth chapter, verse four through six. It says, hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure and boosting the price and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. So this is unfair economic oppression. The Bible clearly articulates God's dissatisfaction with the exploitation of people, especially by leaders in the faith community. We still have this issue with us today, right? We still have this issue with us today. So the question becomes, well, what type of oppressions do we see in the world that we should be attentive to? If we want to fast from something, I'm not saying that you shouldn't fast, we should. But we should also fast from our inattentiveness to what's going on around us. We should abstain from our lack of attention to the suffering of other people. Oppression is the exploitation of people. It's the denial of equality, equity, and the access to the the economic benefits of society's institutions. It shows up in access or the lack thereof when it comes to education. Does everybody have access to a quality education? It shows up as young teenagers are forced to go to work to help pay the rent instead of being able to freely go to school and receive an education. Oppression shows up in the manipulation of voting uh, rights. And of course, there are the, the high tuition costs. Oppression shows up through health care inadequacies and over, overcharging people for the, the services they receive at a hospital. There are people that are being driven to bankruptcy because they had a surgery. There are taxation policies that benefit the rich and hurt the middle class. We know that. Discrimination shows its face to different groups of people, even by those who identify themselves as Christians. And this is certainly not pleasing in God's sight. But now that I, I've talked about how does, how does um, this oppression show up in this world, right? But there's also environmental injustice. Example in, in, in West Africa. I watched a, uh, a, a documentary in Ghana. Ghana has become a textile waste dumping ground attached to the used clothing market. They are receiving, they're buying um, used clothing. There's an international market for used clothing where used clothing is purchased from the United States and other places 
and then sold on the market, you know, so people can afford to buy um, these used clothing items at a lesser price. The problem is that the exporters are sending unusable clothing items mixed in with the wearable clothing items to the point of them having to throw out and discard of, finding a way to discard of at least a hundred tons of, of textile waste every day. They tried to build a, a landfill that with projections of it, it being able to um, be used for the next 15 years with the capacity to to um, handle this waste for the next 15 years and, and it was actually uh, used to its capacity in a five-year period. On top of that, when the monsoon rains come, it washes the markets, the clothing that is out in the streets, it washes it into the ocean and that causes huge problems. It, it um, smothers the, the uh, life at the bottom of the ocean floor and it causes a chain of environmental problems. So again, the, the, I saw one gentleman open a bale of the clothing that was supposed to be used clothing and out of, I think it was 300 items in the bale, only seven pieces of clothing were actually good enough to resell. The rest of it had to be discarded as garbage. So they are stuck with an environmental hazard on how to get rid of these things. And of course we know about the injustice that occurs in the criminal system, criminal court system. The scripture talked about um, taking bribes and, and not upholding justice in the courts. We know that there's disproportionate sentencing. We know that there are people who, um, some people who receive um, longer sentences than others, and you wonder why, and it's, some, it's been attributed to racist ideas and racist policies and practice. So here, here's another question. What, what can we do? What can we do about it? You know, the Lord promises that, that he will reward us for um, our working towards injustice, moving beyond the, uh, the idea that we're just concerned with getting into heaven. You know, what comes to my mind is that old cliche of some folk being so heavenly minded that they're no longer earthly good. Our spiritual walk must not be to the neglect of the suffering that goes on around us. We cannot embrace God as prospering our lives while we close our eyes to the, to the suffering that goes on around us. Are we willing to look beyond our own salvific experience and be there to meet the needs of someone else? Now, when it comes to, well, what am I going to do? I mean, the world has so many problems. You, we don't have to um, take on the responsibility by yourself of cleaning up the oceans of West Africa from textile waste. No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to um, try to solve the world's problems of injustice by yourself, but you can join together 
with your local church family and find something that can be done. And it doesn't have to be something huge. If you alleviate the burden of someone in this world, it could be with a bag of groceries. It could be with a backpack for a child who doesn't have school supplies or, or giving a child school supplies. Um, however we relieve the burden is working towards dismantling the effects of oppression. And then you can kick it up a notch, as they say, as by actually working towards dismantling oppressive policies and, and um, laws that are in existence that, that serve to perpetuate uh, racism and racist ideas, inequality, inequity. You can vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but you can certainly let your voice be heard. Yes, you can feed the homeless. You can, you can get involved in supporting a, perhaps an education ministry in the church that helps students come up to speed to be able to compete with mathematics and writing and STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and the arts. So my point is that, simply, is that our faith walk is not only just walking into heaven, but it's about working towards the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. We can partner with God. We can partner with the grace of God and bring change into our world. So you've been listening to Faith Talk, and I certainly thank you for being part of our listening community. I would encourage you to visit the website, www.ReverendJStuartGlover.com. You can leave your comments on these episodes, which are open for your criticism. On that website, you can also register as a guest. Contact me directly by email. You can leave a voicemail. And I will get back to you. If you want to register as a guest, please, please do. If you want to come on, if you have something that you'd like to talk about, come on and we can develop the, the, the narrative. Thank you for listening. God bless you. May goodness and mercy follow you, chase after you, all the days of your life.